Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Well, good afternoon, everybody. I'm Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, coming to you from Westchester, Pennsylvania. I think this is my first podcast interview off the floating home. And yes, good thing we're audio only. You might see a tear or two, but what an amazing adventure we had. I've got a really great guest today. Um, Kate, Kate Permel is a corporate board director, angel investor, executive coach who works with startup founders and executives from companies including Google, Intel, Merck. Uh, iHeartMedia, just to name a few small companies, right? She's also been a business school lecturer at Stanford, Georgetown, McDonough School of Business, University of Michigan, Ross School of Business. Wow, underachiever, Kate. And she's the author of two books, Composure, The Art of Executive Presence and The Moonshot Effect. Kind of love that title. You know, I'm a title guy. Disrupting Business as Usual. Kate, how are you doing today? I'm great, Jim. Thanks so much. Nice to see Yes. Talk. And your husband, you were just telling me, is a captain, a boat captain. His name is Jim. That's pretty fascinating. I know. It's ironic that you're on land now since we're talking and I'm my husband's a boat captain. I don't know. That doesn't make sense, but that's okay. I'll still talk to you. I know. Well, the, the you know, for, for the last five years, I've had to learn everything there is about portable Wi-Fi. I've had hot spots with every company. And sometimes I'm sticking an, an, an antenna up my boat pole. 15 feet above the boat so I can grab a signal and work. But right now I'm on no oh, good old Comcast. So it's a strong thing. But, um, you know, I, I always, I, you know, people know I've been doing my podcast. This is like episode, I think 515. And um, I just get pitched all the time. People like being on, on the program, which, and so I'm always looking for people who I think are going to really uh, elevate the conversation and and really help my listeners who are entrepreneurs and small business owners. And um, I was really intrigued about uh, the title of your book, The Moonshot Effect, and also Composure. But you, so you're a fellow coach and you work with people in the areas of leadership and business. And um, one of the, when I was uh, doing a little research, Kate, I was uh, reading where you help people with confidence, self-worth, courage, imposter syndrome, all things I'm very familiar with. So that's why I reached out to you. Um, How long have you been doing what you're doing? Well, formally, I've been coaching for over 15 years, but prior to that, I was an executive in tech companies and I ran teams. I ran high-performing teams. So really, my I got my chops coaching operating, right? Because I had to find ways to, to get really high performance out of my teams, do things faster for less money with more quality um, than other teams. And that's what I became known for. And so I really felt like that was a great foundation to work with people outside of my immediate realm. And where did you get your training? Was it all like on the job, so to speak? Or did did you go to school for some of that? No, I graduated with a degree in uh, mathematics. I was a... (laughs) 
a software developer when I started and I just moved through the ranks and moved into different areas of business. I, I think I've worked in every area of business except maybe HR. And uh, I don't know if you know the stat, but um, they apparently three functional uh, roles in, in your career is the equivalent of an MBA. Because the thing that distinguishes leaders uh, from non-leaders is their ability to manage breadth in a business. So um, that's one of the important things to think about and develop when you're moving around in your career is how do you build new skills and try new things that you haven't done before? You know, um, when I was uh, younger, I, I became a manager of a bike store, like 21, then a regional manager. Then I got into franchising in my 30s. And what's interesting is as, um, as you're growing and going and moving quickly and just it's like you're grabbing one experience after the other. But now, you know, I'm, I'm 64 now, so I'm slightly looking backwards a little bit. Just to, it's interesting to me how the experiences we have, we don't know at the time how they're going to play out. Because yeah. when I was in the franchise business, I was helping new franchise owners with business stuff, how to market, how to handle customer service, how to, how to run a store. And it's a, and so I draw on my coaching experience today from a lot of what I did 25 years ago. Yeah. I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. The, the foundations and the fundamentals are there and all the problems you solve and all the people problems you deal with. And you know it's all right there for you. Yeah. So, um, so you've been coaching for 15 years. Um, yep. and I, before we went live, you and I were talking about, uh, you know, confidence is always an issue, I think, with small business owners, um, entrepreneurs who most people would look at entrepreneurs and think, wow, they they definitely got the, the risk gene, right? They must have confidence to start a business and walk away from a direct deposit paycheck, two weeks vacation and health insurance. I don't know. That's my, that's been my line for maybe those aren't guaranteed anymore, but, um, but it seems like confidence is really, um, what I have come to know as one of the big key deciding factors of who's going to start a business and who's going to have some, what I would call ordinary success. And, you know, some people say, well, if I can just replace my paycheck, but it'll be my own business. And then some people want to, you know, have a seven figure business or multiple six figure business, but confidence plays such a huge role in the, in the, the risks that we take to achieve big growth. Absolutely. And the interesting thing is I work with so many founders and entrepreneurs and that we have what I have, what we call the accidental executive complex, which is, oh my gosh, how come a CEO? I'm not qualified to do this. I've never been to business school. When in reality, most of the people I work with have far greater business and managerial and leadership skills than they're even aware of, because those things you know, you come to the table with a bunch of experiences and uh, typically people who are starters or initiators have uh, throughout their lives been able to initiate things and get other people to follow along. They don't just suddenly go, oh, maybe I'll try that now at, you know, 30 something to start a business. So typically these people are already leaders. They just aren't aware of it. And I think that's true for most people. We have many, many skills we can summon that uh, that you don't necessarily put together and perceive are the right skills to start something. Yeah. So the second chapter in your book, uh, Composure, the Art of Executive Presence is called the imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. And I think that's pretty much what you just described. People have the skill, they have the talent, but they don't feel like they can call themselves whatever you know their title is. Yeah. And even people who go to business school and get out and graduate from the top tier business schools, when they enter business or, or, they've, or they've had an illustrious career, they've done a ton of stuff, they move into something new and suddenly they, 
they don't feel qualified, competent, capable. Um, and that's just a sort of a natural reaction to stepping into something bigger and sort of living, being with it and summoning the courage to keep pursuing it and going for it in spite of that is really what distinguishes these successful entrepreneurs. So um, I want to ask another question about imposter syndrome, but I want to ask, do are a lot of your clients in the executive space since that was your career or do you work with small business owners? I mean, everything in between or where, do, where does most of your practice lie? I've done most of my practice with entrepreneurs. So mm-hmm. I'd say 70%, 80% of my clients are entrepreneurs. And uh, then about 20 to 30% are senior executives in large corporations. Well, that makes me happy because most of my audience is that, right? So, uh, so as it relates to the imposter syndrome, Kate, when you're working with an entrepreneur, um, and, and maybe they've built a, a business, service-based business or whatever, and then other people in that space are saying, wow, you've done really well. Could you coach me? And they're like, I never went to coaching school. How do you help? How do you help somebody? Like, what are a couple of steps that somebody can and do to overcome the imposter syndrome? Because I'm telling you, that's, I don't care whether you're starting out or whether you're doing multi-million dollars, imposter syndrome is real. Yeah, it is real. Well, there's five elements to the imposter syndrome. So it kind of depends on what flavor you have. So there's the imposter part, which is feeling like a fraud, like, uh, I don't know how people think I'm able to do this. I don't know how I got this title. I don't know how I could possibly be an entrepreneur. You know, I've never been trained. So that's one. Another one's rejection sensitivity. So that is, is it's aligned with fear of failure, worried that somebody's going to criticize or judge what you're doing and find it lacking and having that affect what you're willing to do, right? Mm-hmm. A lack of confidence is sort of the overall blanket one. Um, feeling, I feeling like I thought I did already. Um, Oh my gosh, it's so funny. I'll get my book out so I can refer to it. Um, and then, um, oh, oh, entitlement, lack of entitlement. Like, I don't have the qualifications for this. I'm not, you know, I, I started out as a software engineer as the only woman in the room, always. And so there was a constant battle for me to speak up just because I didn't feel as though I, my voice was as valuable or worthy for whatever reason. Wow. And when yeah. some when a when a guy would speak up and say what you were going to say, you probably oh. kicked yourself under the table. Yeah, and that's true for almost all my female clients. And then mm-hmm. the last one is perfectionism, and that's really a tactic to overcome a lot of the other ones. Which is, if I just make this perfect enough, nobody can find it lacking, and I won't have to fail. You know, so those are the five fingerprint behavior. So the key to overcoming it is first of all recognizing that you're prone to having it. And I actually on my Composurethebook.com website, we have a free assessment you can take. Like okay. d- d- comes back, it's 20 questions, takes three minutes, and it'll identify which of those five might be problematic for you. And then really it's about um, coming, mostly it's about balancing out the external from the internal, meaning we're beings, especially high performers. And I'm sure mo- most of your audience are high performers. They're entrepreneurs. They're out there willing to go and try new things and lots of energy and motivation. And we get, we, we build our success on doing um, really well and getting a lot of external positive feedback um, and avoiding failure and um, criticism at all costs. So that just becomes a way that high performers tend to work. Um, the problem with that is you're not in control of external feedback. And it's also will limit you if you're only willing to do things and try things that are going to be successful. Right. So really the, the, the 
solution is first of all they become aware of it so you can go oh look what's happening i'm i'm you know i'm doing my perfectionism thing hmm, isn't that interesting is that necessary right now or you know i'm i'm really worried about uh the questions they might ask me in this investor pitch i'm about to do um it's okay to be able to say you know what i don't know i'll get back to you let me i'll get you the answer by noon tomorrow um, so that's part of it is just recognizing what might happen so you know how to deal with it when it does. And then the other part of it is really about elevating your internal sense of validation and value and your own passions. You know, you know that when you're doing something you're passionate about and you really believe in, you don't really care what anybody outside thinks. And so the whole setup for imposter syndrome is the fear of what people outside of you are going to think or how they'll judge you. So if you can just really remain focused on your excellence and the quality of the work you do and the passion you have and your values, then that is a way to really overcome or transcend that concern about the external. Wow, that's really helpful. So the assessment that you mentioned, that's at composurethebook.com. Yep, it is. And it's I think it's a, right on the top bar of uh of the website I'm looking right now, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it says take our three minute quiz to check your imposter behaviors right along the top. Okay, um, so many things I wanna, I wanna get on your other book also, but there was a chapter in uh, the Composure book, uh, it was chapter six called Badass Boundaries. I just oh, have yeah. to ask you about that. <laughs> what are yeah. badass boundaries? Badass boundaries are uh, personal boundaries that you develop so that you can get clear about what you want versus what other people want and not be all enmeshed in doing things you don't want to do. So oftentimes uh, the people I work with have things they really, really want to do and they have things they don't want to do. And they end up spending a lot of time doing things they don't really want to do because they feel obligated or dutiful or, you know, or like they have to, and they don't think about negotiating that or they don't think about saying no. So this is all about uh, developing personal boundaries that enable you to get clearer on what matters to you and what you want and what you don't want and be able to say no to things. And you know, as an entrepreneur, saying no is probably the most important skill that an entrepreneur has because you have un, you don't have unlimited resources and energy. You have to no. pay I was working with somebody 12 years ago on my crappy mindset or longer, I forget now, but um, I was, I was, I, I always describe it as, you know, one of these people at a, I had spinning plates on the poles. I must have had a dozen spinning plates. They're all going. And I went to this uh, person who was mentoring me and I said, oh, I've got this great idea, blah, blah, blah. And I described it all excited. She goes, yeah, well, if you say yes to that, which one of these or which two of these are you about to say no to? Because you can't keep going at this pace. So saying no is a really powerful way to like, you know, get yourself successful and still have a life. Yes, absolutely. In fact, I believe that the most important leadership skill that exists is prioritization and negotiating mm -hmm. priorities. If you think about what a CEO does all day, they're constantly negotiating priorities in the, in the context of money, resources, and time and commitments they're making, right? They're constantly doing that. How do I apply my resources? How do I deal with customer demands? It's just part of the daily thing. And if you get used to going in and saying, you know, you know, even with clients, right? Walking in and saying, you know, I said I was going to deliver this this day and I can still do that if it's important to you. However, um, if you can give me an extra week, um, it would really uh, benefit us because we could bring in this person on the project. And I think that, that they're much better aligned. Uh, is that okay? I mean, that kind of conversation rarely happens and it's a missed opportunity. 
Because if we're looking for win-win, oftentimes win-win doesn't sit on the table that's already been set. You got to look outside of that. Wow. I want to ask you about your book. I love good titles. Book titles are to me are like headlines. They're, they're, they're meant to be compelling. So the moonshot effect. Tell me about that book and how did you come up with the title? Yeah, so uh, my colleague, Lisa Goldman, and I, who's the co-author, worked in Silicon Valley for 30 years, and uh, we worked with some of the most iconic entrepreneurs there. She worked with Steve Jobs, and and uh, I worked with Jeff Hawkins, who's the founder of the Palm Pilot, um, and uh, really, we watched these uh, wildly successful visionaries and how they worked, and visionaries are all about, or vision is all about creating things that seem fantastical and difficult and impossible to achieve and somehow bringing a team of people together to achieve it. And so the moonshot effect is really about how do you create these, um, you know, wild and um, challenging goals and make them happen and get a team that get on board and to uh, step up to the challenge. And so those are moonshots and the book is full of tactics for, there's a whole section for entrepreneurs uh, as well as um, just the general section. And it uses the Apollo mission as the, as a metaphor. Oh, nice. So um, an early chapter is choose your moon. Is that a metaphor for choosing your, your what I call a BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal? Is that what you mean there? Exactly. That's exactly right. And it's time bounded, measurable by this statement when I've done X. What's the, yeah, what's the vision and mission? And when are you going to do it by? And then you work backwards. That's what you do. And I want to ask you about two more chapters. Um, Envision the future. Is that about, um, you know, mind movies, so to speak? Is that like seeing where you're going before you get there? Or what, what do you mean by yeah, that? Yeah, I spent two years studying visionaries. And what distinguishes visionaries from the rest of us is one thing. They have a visceral experience experience of the future and they believe it to be true and real now so that they become completely impatient with the present when that vision isn't fulfilled and they are absolutely convinced that that vision is possible to be fulfilled because to them it's sort of already happened so uh, really that's a completely different mindset most of us think about going to if we're going from a to z we are we're sitting at a we look at z and we think okay i'm gonna have to go to b and c and d maybe i'll skip to f and then i'll go to m um, but visionaries do an opposite. Um, they actually go to Z, they have this full experience, and then they effectively have that pull them towards it. So their whole motivational strategy is fulfilling this thing that already exists versus incrementally stepping their way there. It's uh, analogous to the ancient wayfinders who were those Polynesian wayfinders, since we've got a nautical theme here going, um, who used to find the islands through wayfinding, which was as setting the intention to get there. And then uh, they believed that the, uh, the, the island, the place they were going, pulled them there and gave them the signs along the way to navigate. Wow. So we got about eight minutes left and I want to, um, I've got about six questions, but I'm going to see which ones are the ones I really want to get to. What exactly is executive presence and, and why is that important? Is that, is that about how you handle yourself, how you carry yourself? What is executive presence? Yeah. So Jim, have you ever walked in a room and there's a whole bunch of people around a, a table and, and this is a business meeting and you are not really sure who's in charge, but the minute someone walks in, you're like, oh, they're in charge. That's him or her. Right. 
And the way you know is because they carry themselves with this presence. So executive presence has five components. Obviously, confidence is a big one. Um, the second one is composure. It's really about uh, controlling your emotions and recognizing and managing emotions in others. So that's that grace under pressure, which as a yacht captain, you know mm-hmm. how critical that one is right <laughs> keep everybody calm when yeah you don't earn, you don't earn your your captain's bars when it's you know eight 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 knots of wind and, and no current in the marina <laughs> yeah so the third one's credibility it's uh having people trust your skills and knowledge and the fourth one's clarity the ability to communicate clearly not sugarcoat things be direct um be clear be honest and the fifth one's really connection the ability to form a connection with others all of these things come from an internal place, not an external place. So this is the whole theme of the, the book Composure is when you change yourself on the inside, when you resolve the things that might otherwise make you lack confidence or feel like a fraud or a worry about what other people think, then suddenly you can show up with so much more presence. So and I'm going to have exactly- to jam in another question here because yeah. so, I'm curious about this one. So is is uh, nat- is executive presence kind of natural? Is it learned? Do you, do you work with people on gaining that, you know, if they have the imposter syndrome? or? Oh, do- yeah. It- oh, yeah. It is. It is trainable in that when you begin to work with people internally to develop more grounded, confident sense of themselves, become more internally validated, they naturally their executive presence. So it's it's not something I train people to do, but by getting rid of the things that are in the way of them showing up with confidence and composure and credibility, they uh, naturally show up with greater presence. So uh, one more question. I'm going to have to ask you for a, a two-minute answer instead of five. But um, I, I think I was on your website. I don't know if it was a blog, but you, you wrote about the joy factor. Um, oh, yeah. I was curious about that. What's the joy factor? Joy factor is really uh, asking yourself the question of the things I'm doing, which, where do they fit on the emotional scale? What brings me joy? Joy is at the high end of the emotional scale. It's the rocket fuel for performance. The joy factor. Wow. Is the joy factor, is that a missing ingredient when someone's not a high achiever or can somebody be a high achiever and just be miserable? Oh, they can be a high achiever and just be really good at grinding, right? Yeah. Um, so you spark that with joy, then suddenly it takes it to a whole new level. Wow. Oh my gosh, Kate, what a fun interview. I'm, I'm always uh, mindful when, when, the, when I run out of time sooner than I thought. It's been a great interview. I'm sure our guests have, have loved uh, what you've had to share. So, um, so again, the assessment is at composurethebook.com. Is there another website you want people to uh, go to to check you out? Uh, composurethebook.com. The book Composure is available on Amazon and you can sign up in September. I'm going to release chapter by chapter my audiobook. It'll also be available on Audible, but I'm releasing it for free in September if you want to sign up for that. Very um, it's good. A- That's awesome. Kate, thanks so much. It was a pleasure to have you on Dream Business Radio. Thank you, Jim. It was a pleasure to meet you and uh, smooth sailing next time you're out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, folks. Oh, my goodness. My mind could go shooting off, but I got to stay focused. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I highly recommend you connect with Kate. Again, composurethebook.com. And um, uh, my name is Jim Palmer. I am the dream business coach. I'm Captain Jim Palmer. I'm still Captain Jim Palmer. Connect with me at getjimpalmer.com. If you're interested in the dream business mastermind, which would be an awesome thing on your part, that is dream biz coaching, dream biz coaching.com. But until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I'm Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach, and you take good care. 
Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.